This is tape number 17 of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his message is faith and parenthood. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verse 9, and chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, and it reads as follows. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and grandsons. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Faith and Parenthood, message number 17 of the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. Well, for those of you who have been with us for a while, you know that we are uh, preaching the entire year on faith, and we are preaching the entire last part of the year on how God builds faith through our most intimate relationships. How He's constructed the universe in such a way that in order to be successful in relationships, we need the very same things that we need to build to have a relationship with Him. And for Him to show Himself through those relationships. So we're taking another little jog in the trail here. We're going to talk about that great adventure of parenting. Now, let me say up front, this is going to be relevant uh, whether or not you have small children or any children. Because I believe that God places in all of your lives people that you can bring along in a spiritual sense. People that you can help mature. And these principles are the same for everyone. Um, We are going to um, go through a series that says, uh, how does this apply to young children? How does this apply to pre-adolescents? How does this apply to teenagers, young adults? Um, You probably have all of those in various stages in your life, no matter what age they are. Um, So we're going to have a lot of fun with this, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, We're going to begin by just taking a very basic scripture, two scriptures in Deuteronomy, chapter 4, first of all, verse 9, and then one page over, chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And what we're going to do this morning is give you just a general overview of what is required for spiritual leadership. It's a very general overview. And we're going to use um, kids as examples. I I hope you don't mind, but in these these initial messages, I'm going to use my own experience um, um, because it's freshest on my mind. In this fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, the writer has just... uh, given to the, uh, the people the admonition or the, or the picture of what God has done in history and, and the statutes and commandments God has delivered in history. And then it comes down to verse 9, and he says this, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Now turn over uh, to uh, chapter 6 with me. Uh, I hope you realize that some of you are new to this whole thing. When the Bible 
says sons and grandsons, it means daughters and granddaughters too. I mean, there's an editorial sense. You don't need another Bible to tell you that. You can read it if you just understand that stuff. Okay? Um, I've heard about these new translations that are gender neutral. And uh, it's just amazing. Uh, It's just amazing. They miss the point. Okay, verses 5 through 7. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them. Now listen. When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. Now, let me just take that last verse and and, and tell you, preeminent in all of these teachings is an understanding that you all understand that your presence is required in a relationship in order to have an effect. I I don't know how... That seems to be so self-evident. It seems to be so uh, commonsensical. But you cannot believe the people that miss the point. Listen, if you are not there, if you are not prioritizing your physical presence in a relationship, that relationship will not develop to its fullest. And that's important for you parents. Now, I know you say, I work a lot of hours. I do too, you know? I do too. And my and I always have. I love my work. I love to pour time into my work. But I've always done it in such a way that I'm working at the time the rest of my family is occupied. And every day I have given time to my kids, one-on-one time, where I can hear what's going on. I know the names of their friends. I know their class. I know where they go. I know all of their habits. And I don't sit there and drill them. I'm just around them enough to hear their stories. Probably in 23 years of marriage, I have not spent more than, you know, two weeks away from my wife. You know, and I do that not because it doesn't take some uh, some rearrangement of the schedule. I do that because I know the principle of physical presence, the quantity of time that you spend with each other. I keep people here say, "Well, I spend quality time." Listen, in Scripture, it's quantity time that makes a tremendous difference. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. How? Where is that? How often is that? That's all the time. See? And so it's very important whether you're talking about giving yourself in a relationship to your children or your wife or your, or your friends, whatever it is that you understand how important your physical presence is as a constant in that relationship. Who taught us that? God taught us that. God cared enough to come down physically to us. That's the way the incarnation is absolutely the maximum relationship that God can have with man. And so, therefore, we need to follow that example. Okay, now, uh, let's, given that, though, what are three principles in this scripture that really make sense as far as spiritual leadership? Well, let me start with Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. We'll just go down this one verse, and I'll just kind of pick it apart for you. Only give heed to yourself. And keep your soul diligently. Many people believe that you start 
If you're, going to, if you're going to be a spiritual leader of someone else, you start with the concept of what can I transfer to someone else. No, you start with the concept of how can I follow better myself. It's not what you can transfer spiritually, it's what you can receive. It's not just what you can pass on as a Christian, it's how you can be a better Christian, a better follower of Jesus Christ. That is the essence. Guard your heart. The Bible says. In other words, it says, you've got to make sure that you understand the basic of all teaching is example. That is the most basic form of, the basic form of all learning is imitation. People see what you are more powerfully than they hear what you say. You understand that up here. But, you, but, but scripture wants you to understand it down here. That's why God says... Be holy, even as I am holy. You say, well, I can't do that. Correcto mundo, you can't. That's a great beginning. Only Christ can do that in you. That's the only way we can become holy, to have the mind of Christ. And so God puts us in a very impossible position right up front. How we want to love someone else requires Christ. The Bible says, 1 Peter uh, 2.21, Christ came down as an example for us that we should follow in his steps. How can you be the best possible spiritual teacher? Be the best possible spiritual example. You say, well, I, I have searched my heart and there's, I know there's still sin in there. I, I know I've still... Yeah, there is. Right. And you've always got to be on guard. Sin never completely goes away. It's always crouching at the door. I took uh, our boys, Becky and I took our boys to college. They room together at a Christian college in Indiana. And we were taking them up, and we, of course we went, you do the drive through thing all the way up, you know. And, you know so I got a cup of coffee. You know, I don't know when I'm going to learn, you know. I sat there and turned the corner, and the thing spilled on me. And a word came out of my mouth <laughs> that I thought I'd forgotten about. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't used that word in years. I thought it was gone. I could just see the boys in the rearview mirror going, Did he say what I thought he said? <laughs> you know, to each other. It wasn't gone. It was there. It had been crouching there for years, just waiting to come out. Crouching at the door, you know, and came out, and it wasn't, it's brand new. You know, here I am, boom, you know. Well... You know, sin crouches at the door for all of us. We can't fool ourselves. At any given moment, we can fall into sin just at the drop of a hat. But here's the key. The Bible says sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And through Jesus Christ, you can master it. Through Jesus Christ, you can become holy. That is your primary responsibility as a spiritual leader. Besides presence... Your next responsibility is purity. Purity. Kids will look into your heart. Your kids aren't dumb. They, they, they sense what's in your heart. They understand what's in your heart. And they will follow what's in your heart. Now, that's a scary thought, isn't it? You know, probably the most sobering um, experience I had as a father was uh, this came about a, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half. And I was driving... Uh, with one of my sons to, uh, um, I think it was wrestling practice. And, 
And we were driving along. We were kidding around. We, we, we always kid around. And, I, you know, I was saying, ah, you're so young, you don't know anything. And he was saying, ah, you're so old, you don't remember anything. And <laughs> both of which are true, you know. And, and uh, so we, we were But we always, you know, it's a, it's a guy thing. You just kind of kid around, you know. And I said, oh, you're just a Joel Hunter wannabe, you know. And he stopped for a minute. And he looked at me and he said, I am a Joel Hunter wannabe. I couldn't talk. You know, at four, they want to be like Dad. But at 17, what would be your reaction if your kid would look at you and say, I want to be exactly like you? What would be your first reaction? Would it be, oh, no, you don't. Ah, uh, no, really. Uh Choose uh, St. Augustine. Uh, you know. You know what my first reaction was? Great. I want you to have the life I have. I want you to have the marriage I have. I want you to have the kids I have. I want you to have the call on your life that I've got on my life that drags me around by the heart until I am so over. Odd of what I've been called to. I can hardly stand it. I want you to have that. And I want you to have it better. You know? I want you to make improvements. But yes, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, that's what Paul said to us. He wasn't being arrogant. He was saying, if you see Christ in me, you follow that. He was saying, you know what? Whatever you see in me... Take my life as an example. He says that, as a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. He says first the cognitive stuff, but then he gets down to the nugget. He says, the things you have learned and received and heard, now watch this, and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. You say, well, preacher, I haven't got a life right now that I want them to imitate. Mind if they imitate yours? Yes, I do. Let me tell you what you do if you haven't got a life right now that you want your kids to imitate in detail. Get one. The Bible says that that kind of righteousness is available in Jesus Christ. That kind of life changing. Romans 6.14 says... Sin is no longer master over you if you're in Christ. Sin is no longer master over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Grace is the power to change your life and to become a model for living. And every person in this sanctuary can do that. Every person can walk around and say, in all honesty, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You have that availability to you. So, God not only requires our presence and our purity, now watch this, God also requires in our, and, and, and by God I mean also the people to whom God has given us. Those people are the ones that really need it. They also require our perspective. You know, it's curious to me that we are a culture that worships youth. Think about that for a minute. Look at what it says in this verse. It says, not only give heed to yourself and keep your soul 
It also says, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. You know what that's saying about you? That's saying that you who are of age have an incredible gift right now. You have the light of experience. You have memories. You have a perspective that young people don't have. We're a culture that just automatically wishes we were young. I can't figure it out. We were at the gym the other day. Well, I pick up uh, my youngest one, the freshman in uh, high school. And uh, I pick him up practically every day, and we go uh, to the gym to lift together. And we were in the gym the other day, and there's big guys in there. You know? And uh, I start a conversation with him. And, and uh, during the course of the conversation, he said, yes, sir. And, you know, very polite young man. And, and uh, so we were walking away, and Joel goes, man, he wronged you. And I said, what do you mean he wronged me? Oh, man, he called you sir. That means you're old. <laughs> I said, hey, Joel, I'm over the youth thing. I'm over the youth thing. I appreciate the respect. Who in here, in their right mind, would want to go back and be young again? <laughs> it's, it's the most confusing, unstable, panicky time of life. Every decision looks huge. It looks, you know, like uh, you're never going to have this and you wonder if you're ever going to... Good grief, people. You just got to the age where you know something. Don't wish for something else. <laughs> you, you don't need what they got. They need what you got. You've got perspective. You, you can tell the young people what they don't know. You can say, you know, when a young person makes a decision, that's just a decision for the time. Did you ever notice that? They don't think a consequence. They go, oh, this is what I need right now. Boom, there's my decision. You've got the perspective to say, hey, you know what, I noticed that. And if you do that in any kind of pattern, this is going to be the result on down the line. They don't think of that. You know, a kid punches his brother in the mouth because a brother took the donut, you know? And you say, well, I understand that, but I tell you what, if your answer to family conflict is violence on down the line... What about when your wife makes you mad? You're going to punch her in the mouth? Oh, no, I'd never do that. How, what about your little girl? If she makes you mad, are you going to punch her in the mouth? Oh, no, I'd never do that. Yes, you will. If you continue to develop this aspect. See, they don't understand. They need you for that. They don't understand that. They don't understand that decisions result in circumstances on down the line. Neither do they understand that when they make mistakes, God's grace is operative. They, they don't understand it's not a matter of anger. It's a, it's a matter of, of, hey, I still love you. I'm still with you. At any given time, you choose to turn from that mistake. You can turn the whole ball of wax around. Because there is both justice that is... Result in circumstances, you sow what you, re you reap what you sow. And there is mercy that says at any given time, no matter how many mistakes you've made, God can give you a ministry that is second to none. Now, it will probably be with a different group of people. Because your circumstances might be, put you in a different crowd. But that ministry is no less valuable, no less needed, no less exhilarating than, than a person who made all the right decisions along the way. 
You see? So there is both justice and mercy. There is both differences and grace not according to works, lest any man should boast. There are both in the world. And your kids need to hear you say that. They need, to, they need to have you give them the perspective they don't have right now. And no matter how bored they get with it, oh, no, not that again. Yes, that again, you need, to, you need to be reminded. See, you've got a great gift for them. And the third thing is, they need you to help them focus. Look at the third, look at the third part of this verse. The third part of this verse. It says, Make them known to your sons and your grandsons. In other words, they're talking about the propagation of the faith. They're talking about, they're talking about sending it forward. You know what this literally says in Hebrew? It says, Sharpen them unto your sons and grandsons. Another way of putting it in the Hebrew is, Sharpen them into your children. You get the idea that this is a matter of focus. This is a matter of helping people come to the place of concentration. This is passing something along that is very um, um, focused. You know, the characteristic of immaturity is the inability to focus. I mean, you take any kid... And, and the more immature he is, the more his eyes are gone. He doesn't concentrate. You know, one kid is in, play, plays with a toy for two minutes, and then he's on to another, so on and so forth. By the way, our whole culture is like that. The inability to focus. Everything sound bites, and we're, like, and we're watching all kinds of TV at once, and, we're in, and, it, and you may feel your life is like that. Well, the inability to focus is the mark of immaturity. It says in Ephesians that ye be no longer children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. You know? That's the definition of being a child. To and, to and fro by the waves and, and tossed about by every wind of doctrine. That's the definition of being a child. Then what is the definition of being mature? mature? Let me show you. And, and, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what the goal is for, the, for my kids. What I've had is the goal for my kids. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through, we'll just go 12 through 14. 12 through 14. You see, unless you can focus upon a goal for your kids, you never know where to come back to, to build toward that goal. And this is the goal I've had for all of my boys. I do not want my boys just to grow up to be good people. I want them to grow up to be spiritual leaders. And this is, what, this, is, this is what I've kept in mind all along. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Perfect, remember, in Greek is teleos. It means that purpose for which you were made. You were wired in a certain way in order to fit a certain purpose. And so Paul says, I, I haven't exactly fit that purpose yet. And look what he, but look what he says. But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. You see the two, the two things there? One is to focus upon, upon uh, what is intended for his life. And the other is to receive the sense that he is called and gripped by Christ. And that Christ is really doing the work. 
Now look at the next verse. It says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. See the focus? Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 17, you can see the example thing. That thing again. Brethren, join in following my example. You see the focus in that? You know, there were times when Jesus in his life was so focused, he did things that we thought were absolutely cruel. Turn, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 9, verses uh, 15 through 62. You, you will think that Christ is so focused here that he, he, he lays aside all common sense. Luke 9, 15 through 60, or 50, uh, 57 through 62. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds have air, uh, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, this isn't a casual thing. You, you, you don't even know what you're volunteering for. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, well, permit me first to go and bury my father. Now, is that not a reasonable request? Look at what Jesus says. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, does this mean that you can never, you ought to be out evangelizing when you're, you know, somebody in your family dies, you ought not to go to the funeral? Of course not. What it means was that Jesus was so focused on his spiritual leadership that he called people to be focused sometimes in unbelievable ways. Will you say, how in the, I, I mean, you know, that's such an extreme. I, I have trouble not just getting my kids to see God's call, but to get them to answer my call when I'm trying to get them out of bed. Come on, you've got to be realistic here. Okay, let me start back from get-go. What does it mean to train your kids to be focused? It not only means training them in the spiritual things, reading to them Scripture and teaching them the spiritual things. It literally means, as you will find out next week, to discipline them, to train them in focusing upon different things in their lives. You see, kids will focus when you go to them and say, I see a pattern here. Let me help you complete something that you seem to be interested in. Well, you say, what are they interested in? You watch them. You will find that they are interested consistently in something. And your job is to capitalize on that little bit of focus they have and help them stay with it long enough that they actually complete a process. That's the first step. They complete some little deal. You've gotten something done. There's something to celebrate. You know, the negative side of that is that when they join a team or something, you don't let them quit. I'm tired of this. Well, you're on the team. You can quit at the end of the season, but you don't quit in the middle of it. You see, it's a sustained thing. And so that applies to their behavior. But there's another element to this. We need to be able to locate in our kids... A, folk, a, a strength that God has given them so that they can begin focusing on how they're wired personally. 
and every one of your kids and every one of the people who are following you spiritually have been gifted somehow by God. That's, that's the basis for the spiritual gifts. That's the basis for, uh, in a larger grid work, uh, uh, the wiring of our strengths for ministry. God's gifted them somehow. Locate that thing and help them focus. My oldest one, all three of my boys have this. My oldest one was never a warm, fuzzy kid. I mean, from the time he was little, I'd try and hug that kid, he'd just straight arm me, you know? Put me down, I got places to go. You know, he put him down, and he was gone. You know? Now, I didn't sit around crying, and go, why are you warm and fuzzy? Why don't you nurture daddy? Daddy needs kisses. I didn't do that. I watched the kid. See what he did. This kid has, from the get-go, been a figure-outer. I mean, with people. He's got great wisdom, great insight. And he could negotiate the fuzz off a peach. He could. I mean to tell you, I'd say, okay, this is what we're going to do. He says, ah, well, now let's see if we can't, uh, you know, don't be radical about here. Let's talk this out. And, and by the time he got out of the room, I was lucky to have the deed to the house left. He, <laughs> he just said, you know, he could say, there's always a way to work these things out, you know. Well, he's totally dedicated to God now and wants to somehow use that negotiation for God. I don't know how he's going to do it yet. But all the way along, I said, man, Josh, you're incredible. I would have flown off the handle by now. I would have put my foot down. I I would have given up. But you always find a way for everybody to win. That's incredible. My second one always had spiritual discernment. We'd sit down to scriptures when he was little and he'd say, hey, Dad, could that mean this? Boom! I mean, he, he just nailed it, stuff I hadn't seen. And he's always been a, a leader. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when those two went into a room together, all the kids came up to Isaac, and Josh would go see what he could get out of the teacher, you know? <laughs> okay, come here, let's see what you got in here, you know? And, and, and he was negotiating recess or something, and, and, and Isaac just had people around him. And, and Isaac had always, has always had the intensity and the focus that, that great spiritual leadership requires, you know? The third one, I haven't really figured this third one out yet. He's got, oh, he's got a lot going on. He's, just, he's smart off the charts. I mean, just smart. Great musical ability. He is a stitch to live with. I love being around this kid. He is so funny. And I, and I tell him that all the time. I just la- we laugh. I, I secretly hope he, he grows up and becomes a Christian comedian. I, I think we need him, you know? <laughs> Uh, other fathers would say, be a rocket scientist. I'm saying, no, making people laugh, it's wonderful. You know, bring them closer to Christ, give them perspective, it's wonderful. I don't know what he's going to be, but every strength I see, I point it out and say, okay, good. Let's develop this one. Okay, good. Let's do it. You see, you start to focus on the gifts that God has given them so that they will return them to God somehow. <clears throat> it is so important. Where are we? Okay. It is so important as we are going through this general pattern of leadership, to recognize those three things, those four things. Your presence is absolutely necessary. Your purity is absolutely necessary. Your perspective is absolutely necessary. And your focus. I'm not going to become a slave to alliteration. Your focus, your ability to help people focus is absolutely crucial to their development. Now, come back next week and we'll figure out uh, uh, what, next, what comes next down the line. Uh, meanwhile, pray with me and then we're going to have this great song. I love this song.
God, thank you for sending people into our lives. That you give us to give to. Thank you, Lord, that you have given Christ the example of presence and of purity uh, and of perspective, teaching us about the heavenly kingdom uh, and of focus. Help us to follow in his steps. And Father, as we love those that you have given to us, we pray, Lord God, that we won't be the teacher, but that you will be the teacher through us. They are such precious lives. And whether or not we like it, they keep looking at us, imitating us. Oh God, help us to use this time we have with them to its best advantage for the kingdom and for your glory. Because it won't be forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. This last song is about the time we have. It just is not long as long as it seems to be when you're in the middle of it.
team over here some of you need to give your life to Christ this morning and some of you need to give some of your relationships back to him and ask for his help and they would be glad to pray with you the benediction this morning is our scripture you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall walk and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up, go and teach.